Welcome to another episode of the Over and Stumps Cricket Podcast, another podcast on the Inner Sanctum Network. It's been another big week in cricket, well, a big day in cricket, and we're here to run you through absolutely everything that's going on. Joining me this week, again, after a couple of weeks off, is Will Cuxon. Will, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks, John. I know uh, no poor cricket starts to report on lately, so I'm uh, in a good mood at the moment. <laughs> Fantastic. I also had a win on the weekend, so I'm also... Pretty up and about, and joining us again is had a, had a couple of false starts in the last couple of weeks, but is back this week. James Strebinos is back with us. How are you doing, James? Yeah, it's been a while. I don't think I've been on a show with our uh, new logo, thanks to Will. So it's been that long, but um, good to be back. Yeah, we haven't had you on since we've had a win as well as an Australian cricket team. So <laughs> maybe we should have got a new one a bit um, soon, sooner. But um, first, first, first and foremost, before we get into the nitty gritty this week, we want to, we do just want to apologise for last week's episode not going out cleanly. There were a few gremlins in the sound system, but all being well, the issues have solved itself, and everything will be back up and going. Needless to say, it has been. A massive week or a massive day in the world of cricket. Literally breaking news 15 minutes before we hit record tonight that the proposed towards the South Africa is cancelled. It is off. It is not happening anymore. Mainly down to COVID um, reasoning. As a first thought, Will, what what what's the first thing you think of when you hear that the tour is cancelled? I think um, I was definitely looking forward to it. Obviously, the last series that we played over there was a bit fiery, uh, probably for the wrong reasons. But yeah, I was definitely looking forward to it. But I think um, I think just because of the, the safety and the health of all the players involved, I think it's, it's the right call. This has ramifications everywhere you look. First and foremost, it is most certainly the right call for everything with health and safety and real common sense approach. Um, ben Horn broke the story, but Nick Hockley, the interim Chief Executive of Cricket Australia released and said in the statement, following extensive due diligence with medical experts, it's become clear that travelling from Australia to South Africa at the current time poses an unacceptable level of health and safety risk to our players, support staff and community, which is completely fair enough. Things are, from a COVID perspective, out of control in South Africa at the moment and getting there might be okay, but getting back is a real big issue and it's a big call for Australia to make given everything that's on the line for them, James. Yes, of course. So it's, it's all about what do Australia do next? Can they get their test side over to New Zealand? Can we work something out there? Um, obviously, we already tried to bring... We I think we proposed to bring South Africa to the WACA and that fell through. So it's, it's a big call and it's a big... Like, we don't know what's going to happen with the test rankings. This was our chance to move up them and have a good win over in South Africa. And yeah, obviously, now that's all cancelled. We're going to run through all the ramifications everywhere. We touched on it briefly last week, but there's a few different areas to it. So the first things first is that this is for this from the South African point of view, this was their big thing in their summer cricket. They managed to get 
um, the whole Sri Lanka series off the ground there with a couple of test matches, but it's a pretty low profile series. The Australian series was their big dollop, their big paycheck at the end of their summer. And really, um, I'm speaking properly now, that this was going to keep South African cricket afloat with all the trouble and trauma in the boardroom that they've had over the last year and a half. They really needed this injection of cash and money and this series to go ahead for Cricket South Africa to remain a viable option. They're playing a test match over in Pakistan and they every other team has a sponsor right on right smack bang on the front of their shirt. South Africa don't have one at the moment. So they're really battling when it comes to the cash department and a little bit on the field, which we will get to a little bit later. So that's the main thing. The other big thing for Australia and where everyone's mind will turn to is the World Test Championship. And following the result against India, Australia dropped out of the automatic qualification um, positions in positions one and two. New Zealand have gone up because of their recent form and winning. And it looks like for, for the moment with no other test matches scheduled that Australia's hopes of qualifying for that World Test Championship final um, they're hanging by a very, very thin thread. That's right. It's um, sort of the result of the India series, really, isn't it? Sort of, yeah. It's it's turned out to to affect Australia's chances of the at the World Test Championship. And um, you know, had had Australia gone on and and won the two matches at the end of the series that they probably should have, wouldn't be having this conversation now, would we? So yeah, it's definitely definitely showing its flow and effects at the moment. James, the look, the look of Australia cancelling yet another series. They've missed a lot of cricket this year. Not, not much of it has been their fault, but part of the New Zealand home one day series when coronavirus originally hit, that got cancelled. The test tour to Bangladesh was again cancelled. There was a home ODI series against Zimbabwe. That was cancelled. A home T20 series against West Indies. That was cancelled. The T20 World Cup was moved. The Afghanistan test was pushed forward a year. There was meant to be an ODI series at home against New Zealand. And now this tour to South Africa is cancelled. I can understand it all being, all these decisions being made in the name of health and safety and that being the number one priority for everyone to try keep cricket going alive. But is there a responsibility on Australia, much like the other big nations in the world, like India and England, to suck it up and go on tour and keep the game of cricket rolling around the world? No, you certainly can't say that. Uh, Health and safety is definitely the most important thing. And although the Australian cricket rankings and all that is in jeopardy, it would have been the biggest summer of cricket ever. We would have had Bangladesh. We would have had Zimbabwe, Windies, teams that we haven't played too often in the last couple of years and would have been great to see. But due to COVID-19, you you just can't risk it. So we we mentioned this off the top and what's going to happen now? Like what's going to happen with this T20 squad who I meant to jet off to New Zealand at the end of the week following the end of the Big Bash. Should they make changes? I don't think they will make any changes because I I think, personally, I think it's a wrong decision to any of these guys who work so hard to get selected for Australia. And, okay, yeah, it looked like it might have been a second-string side going going over there, but it looks like the squad that they picked have been handpicked specifically for 2020 cricket. I don't know if they'll make any changes. And I don't even think it's right on the individuals to make changes. Yeah, I agree with you there, John. I think um I think definitely rewarding sort of the guys in the best big bash form is is the way to go 
Um, and one thing I've, I've been thinking about actually is I think they should have a similar series at the end of every summer, whether they go on a tour or bring, bring another team over to Australia. But I'd love to see um, at the end of every Big Bash season a, a, a T20 series to kind of reward the, the guys who have been the best in the Big Bash. I think, um, yeah, I think it's definitely would be the right decision if they, if they don't change uh, the squad up. And you just have to feel for some of the, a couple of the guys who are going to make their test debut. One in Alex Carey, who was in that T20 squad when they when we were playing India earlier in the summer, and now he misses out. And then Wade got dropped from the test squad, and he'll be playing in um in New Zealand. So I do feel for <laughs> Alex Carey, probably out of all people. Yeah, well, it's an interesting one, and you wonder when some of these guys will play their next test. At the moment doesn't look like there's any test cricket scheduled until the Ashes come around in November. So it's a long time between red ball cricket for a lot of these guys. And a lot of them will go back to the Sheffield Shield, which will be fantastic for that competition, a real boost to have all the test players back in the competition. And from what looked like, it might turn into a bit of a farce with 37 of the best Australian cricketers in the country off tour, off on national duty and now it looks like well most of them if not all of them will be back and it look, looks like it's going to be a really really strong finish to the Sheffield Shield season yeah I think um I think, I think that's the way it should be as well would love to see I'd uh, love to see the guys like Steve Smith and and Pat Cummins up and firing in the in the shield and I think it'll be um be beneficial to the to the quality of the shield competition as well, bring up the the younger guys and even the, the guys on the fringes. I think having having those guys as leaders and as um, opposition, I think that'll be that'll be really good for the competition as well. Yeah, it'll be real state of origin sort of stuff in the Sheffield Shield, which is what we want to see. The best players from all states competing against each other. And that's what the Shield's all about. And it hasn't been like that in recent years, but that's what we love to see. Well, I think it's also going to be a nice finish. Like we all, everyone, I, I think, interest in the Sheffield Shield season's gone a bit through the, not through the roof, but it's definitely picked up over the last few years when every year you'd say, okay, who's in form, who's not in form, and everyone's sort of looking to see who's going to make that Australian team for that first test of the summer and who deserves to be there and who doesn't deserve to be there. So everyone watches the first bit of the Sheffield Shield season season with great interest to sort of try pick their squad and everyone's interest sort of falls away after the big bash season. So I think now when you've got all these big players and these massive names in Australian cricket back in that competition for the second half of the season, it's really is going to give it some credibility and really it sets it up for a fantastic race for the final. And it's only going to benefit Australian cricket to have all those big guys back in there. So a massive, massive story, and there is definitely more to come with all this, and we look forward to talking about it more as it breaks here on Over, Over and Stumps. But as we move from what was going to be the on-field to the off-field, and a few rumblings emerging this week, the Wolves are starting to emerge, as all media like to do, is look for a scapegoat after a big loss. I'll ask you straight out, James, is Justin Langer too grumpy? No, no, certainly not. Uh, I like a bit of personality and sometimes you need to show a bit of your grumpy side. And, and I don't mind that from Justin Langer. Um, I certainly show my personality a bit too much as well. So um, yeah, that's it. So uh, I definitely back Justin Langer up on this one. 
Uh, I think I think it's important. I think it worked really well for Justin Langer in his test career. You know, he was all the tough, come at me boys. And, you know, I'm here, I'm going to tough it out. That was his attitude during his playing days. And from very, from very early on, it looked like he was trying to mould this test side into being almost like that, have his DNA all over it, like, come on, tough it out, guts it out type thing. But is there a time and place for him to back off a little bit and give him a bit of a cuddle? Or does is the hard line approach the way that, okay, yeah, I can understand that might be the way that JL is wired. But is there a time where he almost has to step back and really have a look at what's going on and some of the personalities around the group? I don't know. I don't really know. I don't think I can answer that, but I think um, it definitely works well both ways. I think sort of just being being tough on the side, obviously, after those uh, the loss in Brisbane and the draw at the SCG, which would have would have hurt um, hurt to the Aussies. I think that's sort of tough reaction to that, and um, I think that would would work well. But yeah, there are. I agree. Sometimes where you need to be, they'd be a bit more gentle. It's important to note as well that as much as we know Justin Langer's character, we also know the tonic that worked really well in England. We saw Ricky Ponting was over with the team in the one day in the for the one day World Cup, and Steve Waugh was with the team throughout the Ashes series. They so had Justin Langer being there, you know, all tough macho man type thing. But that's Justin Langer. But to have that calming influence with him in the coaching staff and in the locker room to almost pull him back into line. I would, that might've been what was missing a little bit this summer. I, it's something that's been raised a few times this week. And it's really got me thinking is like, I'm trying to think of the rest of the coaching staff right now. It's Justin Langer and Andrew McDonald are the main two guys that are there. And is there room for a type of maybe, maybe not on a full-time basis, but a, a Ricky Ponting type or a Steve or type, or is this a method that Justin Langer has to keep adopting to have a bit of bit more diversity amongst those coaching ranks? No, you need to go to people that have shown experience in the past. I think Ricky Ponting is one of the perfect people to do that. We see in his commentary that he certainly knows his cricket and just being around the team, uh, certainly a calming influence and it's calming to Justin Langer as well. We know Ponty's, uh, we know Ponting's personality and certainly works well with someone like Langer whose emotions sometimes get the better of him. Yeah. But if, I, if I'm having Ricky Ponting in the coaching staff of my team, um, pay, I'm paying him enough to be the head coach, but at the moment, Cricket Australia can't pay him enough to get him out of the commentary box at channel seven. So I think he's going to be there for a long time, but someone of that, someone of that ilk and maybe not as good as Ricky Ponting was as a cricketer, you don't need to have someone who is that good, but someone who knows the game and is a calming influences and just someone who can be there to help with the team and everything, because as much as it's going to come up in the next few months as to Justin Langer's contract and getting renewed and what teams is he going to be looking at after and like, it would have been interesting to know had the South African tour gone ahead, how they split up their resources with everything going on. Does Justin Langer going to South Africa and Andrew McDonald going the white ball team to New Zealand. So it would have been really interesting to see how they would have split their resources and how everything would have looked. But I guess with the news that broke earlier, we'll never, we'll never know, but it might, be something that Cricket Australia looks at to split up the roles permanently as we move forward. So as we move away from home, 
there's a smorgasbord really of test cricket coming up this week. We have Bangladesh versus the Windies starting on Wednesday, Pakistan versus South Africa, the second test starting on Thursday, and then the highly, highly anticipated India versus England series kicking off on Friday. I think we'll be able to watch that one at home. Otherwise, um, hopefully like Pakistan and South Africa, you might be able to watch the other two on YouTube. Um, But it's just great as a cricket fan to see live test cricket in Pakistan again. Um, Bit funny watching it all on YouTube with the ads jumping up and down in the middle. But it's been it's been nice and it's been great to see them perform and play. And for some of these players, it's the first time that they're playing an extended run in their home country. Yeah, that's right. It's definitely great to see. Um, yeah, great to see cricket back coming back across the across the board. And I think um, like definitely the teams like India and Pakistan, um, they'd be very keen to to get back and play in their their home country where they probably haven't played for quite a while. So. Mm. Um, so, yeah, very, very exciting series on the horizon. few interesting things to note from that game. So, Pakistan won the first test. South Africa's batting application lost it, basically. Um, they got bundled out on the first day. They came back with their quick bowling attack in KG Rabada and Anrich Nokia, who have, who have really been... They've been carrying South African cricket for a while now, those, those two. And then Fawad Alam is back from the wilderness and absolutely dominating like with a really wide batting stance, almost like Shivnarayan Chandapal-esque. I don't know if you guys have actually seen him bat, but the, the way he faces up and then the way he hits the ball, it's weird. It's something that you, I don't know if you've ever seen that in part cricket, Will, but it's something that you just shake your head and it's like, well, all right, throw the textbook out with that batting technique. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, I mean, whatever works for you, mate, but, you know, he's scoring, scoring hundreds. He's made two hundred. You can't be doing too much wrong. He's made two hundreds in a row. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and can't be doing too much wrong there. Yeah, a few notable performances with the ball on both sides. Yassi Shah, absolutely dominating again. And some something that really caught my eye. And I, I was thinking of saving this for. I'm sorry, what? But I, it it's kind of funny that when you put your batting order together. And number 11 comes out and you look at his record and you're like, he's actually made a test hundred. Why are you batting at number 11? That happened during the week. And it looks like it looks like it might happen again, this test match. Well, it's either the world's uh, deepest batting lineup or they've just got it completely wrong. I'd like to know who's above him and if they've scored any test hundreds because you should be batting at number 11 with a test hundred behind you. I'll tell you that much. It's happened a couple of times, like Yassi Shah again, but Stuart Broad is batter at number 11. Like, yeah, his batting's dropped off the face of the earth recently ever since he got hit. But he's got a he's got a test 150, Stuart Broad, and he bats at number 11 and can certainly whack the, ball, whack the bowling everywhere. So that's something that definitely caught my eye. Another um, fantastic milestone in this recent test, ma- test match between Pakistan and South Africa is Kakhisa Rabada, notching up 200 test wickets, becoming the fourth youngest bowler to do so. We've seen him out here in Australia. He bowls absolute heat, is accurate, is a lovely reverse swing bowler. And he's still he's still only 24. So who knows how many wickets he'll finish with by the end of his career. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be surprised if 100 of those test wickets were in Australia, considering how much he dominates us. But uh, yeah, to be the fourth youngest... Best matches here, Jax. 
Oh, who knows what's that? Ten wickets times two innings. <laughs> Sixty of the wickets could have been his. Um, but no, he, he's he's a talent. He's definitely a talent. He, yeah, well, he does belong at the Wacker, doesn't he? Um, and I was keen to see him play against Australia. Obviously, that series getting cancelled, but uh, yeah, he's a talent. It would have been absolutely tantalising to see. Kakisa Rabada play against Australia again. He loves playing against them. And we wait and see for the next time it might happen. Um, another interesting to report to come out of India this week is that they're looking at crowds in India for the second test match for the England series, which I, I don't know the COVID situation that's going on in India, but if you consider how easy these thing, this thing transmits, I wouldn't think that that is a smart idea. No, they've got one of the worst COVID cases in the world, India, and they're opening to crowds. Otherwise, if that's the case, we may as well just go back to 100% capacity. Um, yeah, I don't know what they're doing, but it's good. it'll be good to see the Indian crowd at the cricket. They love their cricket. It's always an atmosphere, and to watch live sport with crowds is always better than not. Certainly on the bucket list to get to a game of cricket in India, in the Indian crowd, it looks like it would be absolutely fantastic. Um, let's move on. Now that's the funniest thing I've seen for a long time. Now how many of you picked this up? I can't believe it and he can't either. So I'm um, sorry what? It's a funny segment. It was a if you, if you I'm I'm really annoyed that that last week's episode kind of got lost in the um gremlins because Jonty actually presented a really really good one. I'll repeat it with his um permission. He came to the table last week. None of us had an I'm sorry what. And he comes to the table with the stat that Joe Root has been run out the most times ever in the history of Test Match Cricket. Whoa. Even more than, even more than Inzamam. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry what. So, Jonty, well done. You're not even on this week's podcast. Excellent work from Jonty. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent work, mate. Hope is, hope is going well at school. Um, so, in the grumbling report that was a bit of unrest in the Australian team. And we've already seen this once at domestic level, but getting angry at someone for bringing a ham and cheese sandwich out onto a cricket field. I'm sorry. What? Like, okay. I can understand that. We're not, we're not at park cricket levels here, but you can't yell at someone for, for be, and be grumpy at someone for, finishing off their tea or finishing off their lunch. Um, Will, as our as one of our cricketers here and as our resident first grade cricketer here on this call, and this question's open to you, James, as well. What's the funniest thing you've ever seen slash brought onto a cricket field? I've got, got two editions, one of each. Um, a few years ago, playing third or fourth grade, um, I fin- finished up work at about 12.30. The game, game I was meant to be playing started at one side to... To grab some lunch, rush over to to the game, and turns out we were fielding first. I had to put my whites on, and um, they wanted to rush me out there as soon as I could, so they didn't have to wait to give me a bowl. But um, I was eating just one of the the pizza scrolls from you get from Coles, and um, I had to shove that in my pocket while I was fielding at mid on or first slip or something. So that was um, that was what came to mind when I read that um, report during the week. <laughs> uh, but another one I want to add actually is um, I think from memory might have been a tour game or a, or a domestic one-day game a few years ago. I think I remember seeing someone fielding at fine leg um, and eating from a cheese platter on the boundary. I can't remember exactly who it was, but I think it might have been Mitch Marsh. 
Um, but that was uh, that came to mind as well during the week. I actually remember that. I remember the Bumble commentary after he scoffs a piece of cheese in his mouth and feels the ball and is like, oh, get that man some cheese. <laughs> Just some <laughs> really fantastic work from Bumble, from Bumble there. Um, yeah, I, 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 this, this happened, this happened, not, not me, but one, one, I was playing a game of cricket once and one of, one of the guys in our team comes on to bowl and back then when you used to hand your hat to the umpires, he hands his hat to the umpire, says his name and also pulls out a packet of Skittles and hands that to the umpire as well to hold. So just something that amused me. And I definitely thought it, and I definitely thought of that. So that's my nomination for I'm sorry, what this week, a bit of a funny conversation, James. Yeah, well, I had a, I've got one that might trump both of you, but I used to watch a mate down play cricket and every time he uh, caught a ball on the boundary. Uh, we'd give him a beer and he'd be drinking that on field. And he uh, went, he had to bowl the next over and he walks over to the beer and just puts it down next to the umpire and starts bowling and over. <laughs> oh. So I don't know how legal that is. I don't know what, what rule book they'll go on for, but I don't know if you can have a drink between balls. Uh, must, so- must, must be a park cricket league. <laughs> that's, that's why we love local cricket. Yeah, it was Man. definitely local cricket. Maybe, maybe, maybe in England as well. It looks, it, it looks like that's something that might happen over in England that where they all love their pints. Maybe, maybe some Barmy Army cricket. Actually, to add to add to this, just before we move on as well, I've seen. Um, I think it was in the maybe twenty fifteen Ashes over over in England. I remember seeing Ben Stokes, um, Ben Stokes get dismissed, and then a few minutes later or a few overs later, they panned to a shot of him just sitting in the sheds drinking a cup of tea. Um, lamenting his dismissal as well so the uh the fun cricket and random food stories never cease do they that's about as english as you can get isn't it cup of tea in the sheds we're we're all australian here and as good as these cricket stories are none of them will ever be good as relton roberts coughing a hamburger on (laughs) on the interchange bench after he just got in Oh my! Uh, good old Ralton. <laughs> we we di- we digress. Um, Will what? Uh, Will what? Ground your gears this week. So this is um this is a really interesting thing. Um, and probably one of the biggest talking points out of the out of the qualifier between uh, the Sixers and the Scorchers the other night. Obviously, the, the Sixers put on a cracking chase to to win by nine wickets, but it was the fashion in which they won that was a bit of a head scratcher. So. They just won to win. James Vince is on strike after after Dan Hughes has blocked the over out. AJ Ty's bowling comes on, just bowls a nice little loopy short ball that goes way over Vince's head and it's called a wide. Um, I think that was uh, well, you could see see how people felt about that immediately in the crowd as well. The lots of booze surfacing from the crowd there. So um, yeah, that was definitely a bit of an I'm sorry what moment this week and uh, you know whether he did it on purpose or whether it was an accident remains to be seen, but um, I'm sorry, no, Will, what? At Will, least give the man a chance at 100. Will, you, you're telling me that was not on purpose. Now, Andrew Ty, I'm sorry, but what? You've got 24 balls. They're tied the game. Yes, we do not like seeing English people uh, get 100 on Australian soil, but you're not going to bowl 24 dot balls and win the game. Let him have his moment. It's cricket, mate. The crowd's behind. You saw Dan- Daniel Hughes let him have about he blocked out three balls the previous over to give James Vince his moment. For a long time. 
Yeah, but cheers. Biggest cheers for a pom and uh, Andrew Ty. I'm sorry, but that was as much of a sore loser as you can get, and that was deliberate. And I don't care what anyone says. James has gone absolutely zing again, not for the first time on the Over and Stumps Cricket Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Well, that's what he's here for. It's what he, it's what he does. We're gonna have, we're gonna have to um, we're gonna have to come up with a name for him. Um, I've got another one to bring to the table. It's something that I don't think I've ever seen in the middle of any form of cricket, but I, I didn't expect to see a strip show um, during the knockout um, between the Sydney Thunder and the Brisbane Heat. That was, um, yeah, come, come, come back from the commercial and Usman Kawaj is busy taking his gear off to fix his jock, jock strap. I, I've never seen that before. Well, we never know what happens after 8.30 on television. So uh, Usman Kawaj, I definitely delivered. 8.30 is still a family time slot. <laughs> You'd certainly think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> Big bash is for the kids. <laughs> Big bash provided the unorthodox highlights. That they do always say it is a funny old game cricket. You never know what you're gonna see. <laughs> That's right. Moving on to the Big Bash, the finals are in full swing. Was only a couple of games to go until it is all one and done. For another year, like massive credit to Cricket Australia amid little outbreaks and border closures and hubs, they've managed to get this season done, which is absolutely phenomenal and fantastic and really, really understates all the work that all these governing bodies have put in this year to keep the players happy, keep the players healthy and really push on and have a great product go out there with crowds as well. So I think it's fantastic. And I think as each final's gone on, well, we've certainly hoped that the quality has gone up when things have been on the line. And it certainly did get better as, as the week went on. And I think most notably the team that we can really talk about at the moment is the Brisbane Heat and their performances over this week. I think um, the Heat have definitely been a surprise packet for me. I think um, they've sort of come from the clouds a little bit. Most would have written them off. I think they lost their first three or four games of the season. But, um, you know, the addition of Minus Labashad, he's definitely provided a bit of bit of spirit and um, spirit and entertainment for the for the Heat side. And I think he's um he's get probably their off, most important. Get him, get him an off switch, someone, please. Just <laughs> if not an off switch, just turn the volume down. <laughs> I don't, I haven't minded him being mic'd up. Actually, I think it, um yeah, I think it's I think it's a bit entertaining, but. Oh, he's definitely, definitely be the most valuable player of the last last few games since he's come in. So, um, I think um, you know, with with Manus in the form he's in, I think the Heat could certainly go all the way. He certainly added another dimension to that Brisbane side, not just with the bat, but I think more with the ball. I think is up to ten wickets and partnering Mitchell Swepson in the spin bowling department has really come in and has made a really big impact. Yeah, I was about to touch on that. He's bowling. If he bowled like that in the test squad, or if we gave him a bit more overs, who knows what's, what he could do. Obviously, in the big bash, probably a bit easier to get wicket scenes. They're slogging the ball or they're trying to slog the ball. But, wow, I haven't seen him bowl this well. And as you said, Jono, 10 wickets in, what, three or four matches is unbelievable. Mm. And the team that's already through to the final, they will be playing the final at their home ground in Sydney, which is amazing for the first time this season is... The Sydney Sixers, they just seem to have all bases covered, it seems. And I think what's really highlighted this is that they've played 
the game that they needed to win to finish on top of the ladder and the first final. And Dan Christian's bowled a grand total of one overs when he's been there, one of their main bowlers at the end of the innings and in the power surge. It really does highlight their depth. And then to even have the option of bring back someone like a Mitchell Stark for the final, which they're not doing and it's not going to happen. But to even have that option at their disposal, it just shows the great, depth and strength of this Sydney Sixers lineup. Yeah, I think I called probably one of our first podcasts that they were going to win the BBL title just based on their balance of their squad and their depth. And they've probably still got Mitch Stark, who might be an inclusion to come in too, which is a big one. But yeah, Dan Christian, if he's not bowling at the death, then yeah, you've got a good, that's a good problem to have because it means that bowlers are bowling so well. And it's not just their bowling, it's their batting. And they've just got their balance sorted. Their middle order is good. Obviously, Dan Christian's a part of that, but Jordan Silk as well. Um, and I reckon they'll win it. Yeah, I think they will. I think they will go far, go far to winning it as well. I think they've far and away been the best team in, and I'm disappointed we won't get to see an all Sydney final because I thought they would have been the best two teams. The way this competition has panned out, the Perth Scorchers were well. They just got overwhelmed by a rampaging Sydney team, and. Uh, their biggest loss will, is their home ground advantage, it seems. They're going to have to play their challenger game in Canberra. It's their home game, but it's not really their own game. It's a massive disadvantage for them. But you'd think that they still have the firepower to get them over the line and make that final on the Saturday. Yeah, I think um, definitely the Scorchers, Scorchers batting lineup probably reads the best on paper. Their top top four or five out of any any of the other sides in the competition. So I think they've definitely got the, definitely got the firepower there. It's just a matter of getting, getting those guys up and firing. But you look even at their, their bowling attack as well. You've got Jai Richardson, AJ Ty, and your Jason Berendorf. That could really be an Aussie, Aussie fast bowling cartel as well. So yeah, they got all the assets to, all the assets to do it. I think, um, I think they'll definitely be a threat come Thursday against the Heat. Well, they will be the Aussie cartel over in New Zealand. Jay, Jay Richardson, Jason Berendorf and AJ Ty, they're all in the T20 squad that is heading over there. James, looking at the Sydney Thunder, they had a pretty good year. Alex Hales was the winner of the Golden Hat for the regular season. Josh Phillippe might take over from him in the grand final. But how do you assess their season with the likes of Alex Hales, Usman Khawaja, Callum Ferguson didn't really get going. and But they also had the emergence of the young leg spinner in Tanvir Sanger, who really bolted his way into Australian calculate, calculation. How do you summarise the Thunder's year? Oh, it was definitely successful. I think they've always had the batting firepower and we saw how much fast starts they had with Alex Hales at top of the auto. It was probably one of the best players in the comp. Obviously, he won the golden hat, so he, he's up for... He's arguably the best player in the competition this year. And Tanvir Sanger, obviously last year, they only had Daniel Sams as the bowler that was really getting all the wickets. And hasn't he come from the clouds, Tanvir Sanger? Got selected, I'm pretty sure he's selected in the T20 squad, um, which will be great to see him get a game. And he's been a revelation. I've, I've loved his work. I reckon he has plenty of variation. He's only a young boy, so he's got plenty of improvement ahead of him. And I think we'll see a lot more of him in the national side in the future. Do you think he'll come into calculations for Australia for that World T20 in October, November? I think he certainly should, yeah. And even if he even if he doesn't play, he'd be he'd be behind Adam Zampa on this 
on this tour. And even if he doesn't play, I think he'll, he'll benefit immensely from um, Zampa's sort of mentorship there. Um, but yeah, I certainly think he could be an X factor for the, for the T20 World Cup, particularly being a bit unknown um, to most of the other international sides. So yeah, definitely be exciting to see him get a run then. Well, speaking of X, X factors, they were one of the new rules this year and the, Certainly gotten a workout a bit later in the tournament, much much to your chagrin, Will, after your big call earlier on in the year. But I think I think that we all I think with the new rules and the way they've panned out, and I'll ask you boys a question in, in the minute. But I think especially as we've got a later in the tournament, teams have worked out the X factor play a little bit more, and we've seen the young bowler from the Brisbane Eight, Xavier Bartlett, has been subbed out about five or six times now for in place of either a batsman or a, another faster bowler. So I think teams are starting to work it out as well. Even the Hobart Hurricanes with the likes of Nick Winter and Tim David and the way that they're trying to sort all, all out. So I think that was definitely one of the ones that we really had to get used to. Yeah, so I think um, I think one thing myself and a lot of others would have, would have thought at first about the X-Factor rule that... Um, it would have been a bit unnecessary. I think um, no real impact. Uh, yeah, it would have had no real impact, but I think um, definitely as the competition's gone on, teams have sort of found the found the certain strategic ways to use it. And as you mentioned there, Jono subbing, subbing out Xavier Bartlett. We obviously seen he gets, gets a bit of movement with the, with the ball. Uh, usually bowls are first over for the heat. Um, yeah. Gets a, gets a lot of movement with the ball. And I think, um, I think, yeah, a couple of other teams have, have done similar um, to just try and try and get get as you say Nick Winter as well, um, get him bowling the first over to a certain batsman or you know that that kind of strategy. I think um, I think we've certainly seen that as the competition's gone on. James, what have you made of the new rules, such as the bash boost and the power surge? And do you think they've enhanced the competition? Do you think it's made the games a bit more interesting? Yeah, well, I think we we're way too quickly to judge when they got brought in. I think um, pretty much all the all of the world was bagging the new rules, but I think they've been quite a success. I think thought the bash boost made the ladder, especially later in the tournament, very tight and very interesting to how those finals kind of placings worked out. And I really actually didn't mind the bash boost. The X factor, obviously, that got used later in the tournament as Will just touched on. He has egg on his face, but I don't think he'd mind that. And the power surge, I, I, I really like the power surge. It gives a chance for a team to come home really strong and it really changes the game. You see teams either taking it just after the 10 overs or around the 17th over. It doesn't matter when you take it. Uh, wickets will fall and runs will mount and uh, it makes it for a really exciting cricket. Yeah, I think it really does have that ability to change momentum in the game or even kickstart the innings, I guess. We saw some teams, as you just mentioned there, James, take it straight away after the the first time it became available. And that really kickstarted the back end of their innings. So we've seen that. We've seen teams take it too late. We've seen teams maybe take it at the wrong time or take it just after a wicket falls, which is... It's really simple, and I really quite like. I really quite like the power surge in the end. I thought it had a really big impact on the competition overall. Would we say the Big Bash was a successful competition this year? The tenth anniversary, it was going to be different. I'd say it was a success that it got it done. I think the level of cricket improved, dipped, and 
improved sporadically as the tournament went on, but I don't think, yeah, a successful competition. I think, um, as you sort of just said there, John, I think given the circumstances in a, in a COVID environment, um, getting the entire season done um, is, yeah, certainly a massive achievement. And obviously I think, um, I think sort of the quality of cricket waning a little bit is to be expected, but, um, but yeah, I think it's definitely been a success given, given the circumstances in which it's played out. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I think the if anyone if the quality of cricket from the cricketers wasn't good, then uh, the quality of the umpiring probably wasn't too good. Uh, that was probably the only negative. And the umpires they do amazing jobs, but there's been a few farcical decisions. Um, but yeah, to get the season done in a COVID year is going to be a success. So you can't say it's anything, but the everyone says it drags on a little bit. I didn't get that feeling this year compared to other BBL seasons. I think just the closeness of the season made it interesting the whole way through. Yeah, I think I think we definitely will be seeing DRS in the or a version of DRS in the next version of the Big Bash. I think we can't go on and be a legitimate league without some form of referrals because some of the decisions that we've had this year have been really, really shocking. Guys, we're running out of time, but we still have room for a few of these. Quick singles, again, we're just going to piff questions at each other. And I'm going to start with asking you this question, James. Who's going to be the next Michael Klinger to have deserved to play quite a number of tests but never actually play a test for his country? Adam Zampa. We have uh, Nathan Lyon as the main spinner. And if you're a spinner in Australia, uh, it's a bit hard at the moment to get into that side, but Adam Zampa. It's interesting. I, I I think on that as well, I think they have to start getting games into Mitchell Sweats in Australia as well because he's clearly the next red ball spinner in line after Nathan Lyon gives it away. Who knows when Nathan Lyon will give it away. He still looks like a good play for a number of years. But Australia do have to start getting games into Mitchell Swepson. Yeah, I think both are deserved. But uh, Will, you might be a Hobart fan, but who will be the next coach of the Renegades? Stars fan, actually. Thanks, James. But, uh, oh, sorry, mate. It's a, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good question. I think um, Cameron White, um, obviously former Renegades player, played with them for quite a few years, won the, won the championship with them a couple of seasons ago. Um, been an assistant coach for the strikers this season. So I think he's, uh, yeah, he's definitely, definitely an option. Jono, I'll put this one to you. We've seen lots of good, um, good performances, good consistent performances across this big bash season. But um, who's been the best? Who deserves to be the player of BBL 10? I think it's hard to go past Alex Hales. He's been consistent pretty much every game for the Sydney Thunder at the top of the order. He's, made big runs when it's counted, has put his team into winning positions as well. And as we mentioned on last year's, last week's podcast, I don't think it will be too long before we actually see him in an England shirt again. I think time heals all wounds and we've seen how Steve Smith and Warner have come back. We've seen how Ben Stokes has come back to almost be on the verge of a knighthood after his exploits last year. So <laughs> I, think, I think we'll definitely see... Alex Hales in an England shirt soon. James, um, with following his recent induction today into the Australian Cricket Hall of Fame, 
Who is this generation swerving Mervyn Hughes? Probably Marnus Labashane, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> bit of a bit of a character, just like a Mervin. Um, so, yeah, definitely Marnus. Uh, we love Marnus. He's a character, and he, yeah, he does have a little bit of Mervs. Probably not the weight, but uh, everything else. Well, well, if he's not warming up and getting Bay Thirteen to do his stretches with him on the boundary, he's certainly annoying everyone at short leg. Hundred percent, but I wouldn't put it past Marnus to start getting everyone at Bay Thirteen up and about either. <laughs> Oh, we're, we've, we've gone a bit loose tonight. <laughs> Bad, but uh, just last one for you, Will. Does the cancellation of this tour spell danger for some incumbents? I think you'd have to you'd have to suggest so. A couple in particular, or one in particular maybe, um, would be Matthew Wade. Obviously, he's been named in the in the T Twenty squad instead of the Test squad. Um, but um, yeah, you'd suggest that we've seen the last of Matty Wade at at international level, which maybe it was a bit of an unfortunate end, but I think, um, yeah, we've definitely seen the talent coming through to suggest that um, it's the right time um, to, to let Wade go, I think. So, yeah, probably Matty Wade's the, the headline there. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see what they do with the names and the people. And as we said, it's really going to be an intriguing few weeks and a couple of months to see what happens with the Sheffield Shield and the Australian Test players and where they land up and what they do. And some of them might even have a break. You never know. Guys, it's been a full-on show. It's had an element of seriousness and an element of silly, which is everything we love about cricket. If you like what we do, you can find us on Twitter, on Spotify and on SoundCloud. We're on Twitter at over and stumps or lowercase. You can see all the amazing work that we do on the Inner Sanctum Network. That is www.theinnersanctum.com.au. You can also find us on Twitter as well, at Inner Sanctum underscore AU. Stay tuned on the website for later in this week. Um, Will has done a phenomenal amount of research into the Big Bash and will be posting his findings later in the week. Um, just give us a bit of a preview, will you, mate? Yeah, so put out a survey but way through the season to to get fans' opinion on the the hot topics, which yeah, some of which we just discussed. So the rule changes, the umpiring, and the fixture, um, they're sort of the main three emerging from that. And um, yeah, putting together some of my thoughts and um, what the crowd thought as well, and um, and as well some recommendations on what um, what the big bash can do to rectify and improve. Um, those issues so yeah looking forward to, to sending this one out into the world so yeah definitely keep an eye out for that one so we look forward make sure you keep your eyes peeled at the inner sanctum guys it's been a lot of fun thanks so much for joining us it's been a pleasure as always thanks boys no worries guys that is over and stumps for another week <laughs>